Kel Damage Davros, it's Toby Haydokes who's round. Yes. Um, lunch is on, so we're going to have a quick... We don't need to do new ass, because I've had to say Wanamaker. Did I mention that? Of course. Have but you done her yet, or are you about to? I've done her. I did oh. her uh, uh, over the phone. Bless she her. loved Cassandra, didn't she? she I, why did she, she agree to speak to me? I've got no idea. <laughs> uh, it's extraordinary. And of course, I never met her. That's the funny thing. That's one of those funny things about Dr. She's voice work, and then she came for one day. So I never met Zoe Wanamaker. No. Never. But, but it's because um, that, that was one of the first bits of casting, wasn't it? And you go, oh, people are taking this seriously. Cassandra in the read was read by Eve Miles. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she was a, a local actress, Eros's friend. She was great mates with Eros, and she came in and did that. And look her. what happened to her. <laughs> Bless her. Well, that's nice, having been an actor that's done read throughs and things like that. Mm. You, the, Have you ever met Eve? Have you no. ever met her? She's gorgeous. Oh, my goodness. She's just. You, to, you meet her and you just go, hello, let's work together forever. Right. Just lovely. Full of life. I have to say, I have a bit of a running joke with a Canadian Doctor Who fan I met where, you know, the bit um, where the Doctor and Rose spot her and go, oh, are you relent? Do you come from <laughs> yes. a... We just kept going, oh, oh yeah, so when he jumps into, bumps into General Carrington, he goes, do you have a relative who was a Dutch pipe engineer? <laughs> <laughs> Let alone now, when he's going to look like Kai Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> well, indeed. <laughs> um, so, but New Earth is, inter- is not... Uh, we will talk about it because as a seasoned beginner, it's probably not the story of that year that, that anybody talks an awful lot about. Was it a tough genesis or was it just eclipsed by stuff later? Or No, I love it. It's, I, know, I know what you mean. It's kind of like, it's a bit of a romp, really, at the beginning of the year. I like beginning with a romp. Maybe if you'd started with a werewolf story, you probably would have had more scares. It's not always about scares, Doctor. I think that's the important thing. It's like, um, I think some people think it's all... It's all Fans think it's all scares, and it's not actually. Those zombie people are quite scary, but oh, you're fine. I mean, how successful is this show now that we're talking lightly and almost casually? And I know what you mean about a show that's set in the year five billion with cat nun nurses with Zoe Wanamaker appearing in person. The first, can I say, the first timey wimey twist that there was in the new series, which is going back to deliver Cassandra to create her own future by meeting. The chip, Cassandra. I got in there first. So it's your fault. Do you know, it's like, I could see the master taking notes at home. (laughs) You know, how incredible. That's kind of like a disposable story. That if you just made that in your life, you'd be very, very happy. And it's immense. That hospital, that cat makeup. It's the finest makeup of the lot, I think. Novice Haim, Anna. As novice Haim was just gorgeous. Yeah, I was really pleased that you brought her back. I loved that voice. That voice is just absolutely beautiful. So... I quite fancy Novice Haim. She's a cat. She's got claws, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine, please. (laughs) But it was the one that I thought, again, the one I wasn't really looking forward to. The the Daleks had come back, we knew the Cybermen were coming back, then the sun went, Sarah Jane and K9 are coming back. And I went, no, they're not. That's just, you've taken the next logic. Did you? Did you? That's not going to work. That's the papers (laughs) being ridiculous. And I wept. Oh that. my goodness! I got um, I was out. I went to a restaurant that night, and I got sent a lovely note by a table full of older gay men, <laughs> a bunch of bears sitting nearby. Sent a note across my table saying, "We cried our eyes out tonight." 
The return of Sarah Jane. Isn't it marvellous? Well, actually, and that reminds me of something which, seeing as I asked hard questions about Rose like the burping bin, um, in Rose, when Mickey's head gets pulled off, the fact it's the man in the restaurant that screams <laughs> oh, yes. is the genius of <laughs> 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 It's not the best scream in the world, is it? But it's oh, all right. It's, it's dubbed up. It's not, it's not even it's dubbed up. the fact that it's the bloke. <laughs> yes. And the script specifies that, I think. The man screams. Mickey's head gets pulled off. How brilliant. Look at Noel now. What a career. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, he, and his performance changes over over the course of that scene. And I've read interviews with him where he says he, he felt he probably got the tone, the, the tone changed. Do you know what? I, think, you know, I, think, I don't think so. It's like it, he was doing exactly what's written in the script. I think, I think Noel prefers the later Mickey, as you're always going to. And so it comes across as a bit of a journey. It comes across as though we got it wrong in the first place. No, we didn't. That's, of course, he comes in as funny and lightweight and disposable and deepens and darkens as it goes on. That's what just about every character does. Some do that in reverse. Actually, no one does that in reverse. Um, it's, that's, that's what characters do. So completely planned. Completely. We always said to know well, if it's the second series, we'll bring you back next year. So of course that was always there. Mm-hmm. It's kind I of an easier that. story to talk about, really, if you yeah. make it more of a journey. Right. But... Okay, he did a journey over you. But Elizabeth Sladen, who was oh. a householder, pretty much retired from acting. Yes, uh, yes. Did the, and, and comes back and you transform her in, in the future into a, oh, you know, a, 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 an icon for a, gen, a young generation again. But but that no. that bringing back Sarah Jane. I mean, we haven't even discussed the fact that you could have started Doctor Who from scratch. Yes. And not meant, not taken any of the stuff with it, and I mm. still think we'd have been happy. But part of me would have died inside. Yes, yes. But the fact that you were so, were happy to embrace that past. Yes, I mean we always did in a way. Series one was like mentioned the Isop Galaxy and 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 stuff like that. It's like because again, was it someone? It was my friend David said to me recently that um, uh, you know, you drip fed references in. You know, it's like we were a bit cautious in the first series, and then went from the second series. But in the way, I'm sitting there thinking, do you know, we weren't that cautious in the first series because Doctor Who never did that. It never really talked about its past. He wouldn't land on Peladon talking about what he did last week. It always kind of moved on. It, as a show, only towards the end did it get quite self-referential and we didn't like that much, I think, as fans. The, in the John Pertwee, Tom Baker days, they never refer back. When that parcel arrived from the Amazon from Joe Grant, that was like a revolution, sending the crystal back because it was like, oh my goodness, that was another story. A story I remember. So it never did that sort of stuff. So, I always did it lightly, I hope. But anyway, yes, it was and it was simply down to the fact that Elizabeth Layden, I must have seen her photo in Doctor Who magazine over the years, just thought she hasn't changed. She hasn't changed. That's the one you can bring back because and she's such a fine actress. I think, um, I'm talking about her in the present tense, how terrible, but, well, how marvellous that you can do that because she is still alive in that sense. And, you know, and it's like, it's kind of like, sometimes I felt sad, and I just said this, say this to Liz, the kind of, Passion past that sort of, her sort of accent and her sort of performance by it, it, it's absolutely brilliant performance. But you know, in the eighties, EastEnders came along, everything became demotic. All those actors were proper RP, kind of got sidelined. It was it's difficult, I think, for a whole generation of actors. Plus, you know, Liz's version was along came Sadie. You know, and much more important things in life happened, like marriage and love and a beautiful daughter and stuff like that. More important than your job any day. But you know, there's a sense that. Acting kind of passed her by, and then I think enough time had passed that accents in 2005, 2006, accents don't matter anymore. You can be as posh as you like, you can be as scouse as you like. The doctor can be a northerner, it doesn't matter. The doctor can be a cockney, whatever. So, um, it just didn't matter. A good actor's a good actor, and I literally thought that's a great resource going to waste there. And look what happens, you know, 
I always remember thinking, having done school reunion, I think, remember thinking we'll bring her back every year now. She before the Sarah Jane Adventures came along, I was thinking every year he will land in Britain now and she'll be in a little house with K9 saying, Hello Doctor, I've got a case for you and they'll have an adventure every year together. So right from the beginning it was this is gonna last. Little could we have dreamt how far it would go and we kept bringing her back in Doctor Who as well. Never mind the Sarah Jane adventures, but how lucky was that? How lucky were we to have seen her like that? It's still so sad when people of us who worked on the Sarah Jane Adventures or Doctor Who meet up not two minutes go by before we start talking about Liz about how we still can't believe that she's gone. Can't believe it. Shocking. Bless her. She was so lovely. And the the day because and well you brought her back and canine and oh, yes. the fat kid blows up the school. I love that. <laughs> um, and yeah. and you have Kenny. <laughs> yeah. And you have I, I think some actors get how to do science fiction. And Anthony Stewart Head gets how yes. to do science fiction. Absolutely. Well, years of experience, isn't it? I mean, there's a man who could be a doctor, really, couldn't he? It's like that's the joy of that scene in the swimming pool. Um, it's very hard to there's little bits of lip-sync, dubbing in there. Very, sound in a swimming pool was a nightmare. I remember, again, everyone remembers that as a brilliant scene. I just remember having my head in my hands because the sound isn't perfect on it. And I think it's beautiful. I think there were little tiny bits of lip-sync and we rescued most of the sound. They're brilliant teams at Cardiff who were forever rescuing sound from the terrible locations that we put them in. So that's why I remember that scene. Please let the sound work. Please. Because you can't do that performance in a dubbing suite. It's like, no. ah. Nah. And then... We get to now. This Do you remember the order now? I yeah, can't remember the order. This girl, there's a girl that she's in the fire. Oh place. my goodness! Heavens above! What a yes. run of those tooth and claws. Yes, you, yes, girl yes. In the fireplace. And again, that was because that wasn't. If anything, that was the wrong running order. I remember because you get Queen Victoria, and then two weeks later, um, Madame de Pompadour. It's a bit royal. It's a little bit royal. I remember sort of justifying that in 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 my head somehow. Sort of going, it's full of colour and life and romance, and it's a very romantic doctor. But um, ideally, I think, again, you can see the stresses and strains of getting that four-episode Cyberman block ready because, of course, Stephen delivers a script and it's ready at the moment. It's delivered. So, hooray, into production straight away. You're episode four. Um, I think at one point it was even going to be episode two or something like that. We fiddled about with them. And then I thought just a werewolf was better for... Yes, it was because he didn't initially have Mickey on board. And we... Um, he, he was going to have got episode two, and I just thought a werewolf was better in the end. So episode two, just have it after the lightness of New Earth to get a great big monster in there. So Stephen became number four, etc. That's how episodes were always sort of swapping around and stuff like that. But how brilliant is that story? My goodness. I'm the Doctor, and I've just snogged Madame de Pompadour. Now, snogging in Doctor Who, Russell. <laughs> he survived 26 years perfectly happily without any snogging. Yeah, but you've Doctor been kissing Who. me all morning. <laughs> it's been non-stop. It's what the fans want. <laughs> Can you... Do you have a sympathy with the fans who get uh, dismayed at... Go, well, I get that everywhere else. I want spaceships and monsters. And why does it have to be um, soap opera-ified mm-hmm. in, in their parlance? Do you have sympathy for that, or do you think none at all? Actually, wrong? none. Of, I absolutely think they're wrong. I think it's. Uh, I have sympathy, and I can understand where it's coming from. But it doesn't mean I like where it's coming from. And I think it's. Um, you're looking at a major character in his own show that's run for fifty years, and you're denying him a full life. You're denying that. You can't do that. Plus, I have to say, what a load of fuss about nonsense! If you added up all the 
kisses and the love lines, I think you'd have about 40 seconds of material. Seriously, think about it. It's not much. It's tiny. It's nothing compared to Captain Kurt swaggering his way through the, the universe. So it's tiny. It, it very rarely changes the direction of a story. Ever. Ever. Does it ever change the direction of a story? And But mainly, it's so alive. Really. You have to let these people live. And you have to let it move on. I suppose... You know, I would get upset if he picked up a knife and stabbed someone. You know, so we all have our opinions and our standards and our views. But and imagine the day that happens. And do you know what? Now I've said it. That'll happen one day. Maybe, maybe fifty years time, there'll be a doctor who's rough and tough, and some new producer said, "Come on, let's put him in the street. Let's make this man tough, and he'll stab someone." You know, and people will be outraged, and and I would be sitting there going, "Oh my goodness, I don't like this." I like the way I've made myself alive in 50 years' time. I think that's a fine <laughs> ambition to aim for. But, you know, we'll all have to take a deep breath and swallow it and move on and make that part. It's the way that... I don't know, we're very good at swallowing stuff and kind of getting on with it. It's like John Pertwee can say he's a thousand years old and and, and then you know, that's why the age can change all the time and the Time Lords changed in front of us. The Daleks changed in front of us. They were a little town full of people who died in their metal city and then they were an all-conquering race and I love the way Stephen did exactly the same thing with the weeping angels it was one weeping angel that's quite small just four of them four of them living in a tiny little house like the Dalek <laughs> city next thing you know they're gal- galaxy spanning menaces from the dawn of time who are out to kill everyone and everything and that's a brilliant ship Doctor Who literally changes in front of us all the time and we kind of we just go with it I love the fact that we go with it I love the fact that he was half human once in 1996 and we all can't quite cope with that, but we love Paul McGann, so we just kind of swallow it. It's just kind of ingested somehow. I don't quite go, that doesn't count. I don't like the half-human thing. I certainly certainly isn't half-human, but I think it's kind of... It's less interesting to say it doesn't count. I can't, and I literally always wanted to put in a line, I always wanted to put in a line saying, oh, yeah, I, I'm not... You know, someone says, are you human? He goes, no, but I was once in 1996... or 1999. <laughs> it was like a 24-hour bug. <laughs> I think that's really funny. But do you know why? Part of the reason I never put that in was it's a bit too self-referential, but also I thought, well, I'm spoiling the TV movie if I do that. In that time, like it or not, Doctor Who was half-human, and everything in that story says that he was half-human, and you can't not count it. So I don't, I, I don't think you ignore it. I think you just... It's like putting up with people. Yes, it's how you put up with people. This is all the people you marry, Toby. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> you kind of have things you don't like and you think, well, I'm not going to look at that. And, and even people have things about their past that don't make sense. You go, okay, it's just because I've got my version of you. So you kind of live with those mistakes. I'm calling them mistakes, but you live with them. I don't, you, you don't quite not count it. I mean, you don't think that Paul McGann story didn't happen, do you? No, but I no. So what do you think happened? Uh, I've decided he's. Not, <laughs> I've decided he's not half human, but I don't. Mm. I don't care to trouble myself over the mechanics of why. No, I, I don't trouble myself over the mechanics. But when you watch that, you realise oh, it's, it's not just one line. It's really built into the plot. Really. John Pertwee shot an Ogron. Got <laughs> a gun. Yes, exactly, exactly. There's all sorts of things there, aren't there, that, that we just. So if you're gonna get hung up on kissing well let's be honest I don't think anyone's jumped ship over the kissing have they I think they talk about it they go have you actually met a fan who says I've stopped watching because it's you see so that's fine it's part of the warp and weft of the whole thing there's always something that annoys you there's always a companion you don't like and you'll always be ready for the next one actually I don't think that's not my view of Doctor Who actually it was to say there's always a companion I think that's a certain subset of fandom and of, of everything of football teams of Doctor Who of jigsaws that says there are things I don't like 
I'm not that sort of fan. I kind of just, I like those things. I just, I think the more mad and contradictory they are, it just gets richer and bigger. I kind of think it might all make sense one day in the end. But um, I like that. I really love it. I think it'd be interesting, wouldn't it, if you, if you had brought back, if they brought back Paul McGann for a 50th or something, you'd have to tackle that. You'd have to talk about it. I love it. I just think it's richer. It's richer to have contradictions there than to not have them. That makes sense. Yeah, no, that's all right. Mm. It's inevitable with something that's 50 years old. Well, exactly. And the fact there is no great big controller dictating what this character is. There's no Bible sort of saying this character would be this. Makes it much... He's more interesting than Captain Kirk. All these other... More interesting than Buffy, frankly. It's like a lot of those characters do have Bibles and it hasn't done them any good. This man's been a different actor. Been all over the place. He can do anything. It's marvellous. It's why we all stayed up at midnight to watch a bit of Patrick Tratton being <laughs> yeah. the Doctor and yeah. I was there till two in the morning and it was lovely we were glued to the idiot's lantern which brings us hey nice Maureen link Lippmann at uh, Alexandra Palace and uh, you know, Mark Gates is interesting you, you, you hired you hired very good writers who were fans do, do being a fan help does it is it is Doctor always going to be something that has to be have an element of professional fan working on it now or do you think it would work just as well without? I don't think it does although it's I, do, I would say in theory it doesn't although funny enough then when you get a writer who comes along out the blue and is successful at it like Neil Cross it turns out he's a fan weirdly right. so you kind of see this happening anyway so every time a good writer comes along let's face it if you're a good writer these days you like Doctor Who yeah. that's the trap we're in now I don't think you do and yet it's like it helps the shorthand of knowing how spaceships work, how laser beams work, how teleports work. That's begging the argument of saying you should come in and have a writer who doesn't know how those things work, who kicks it all up the arse and makes it all completely new. But, but if Doctor Who ever needs a new grammar and a new language, it's not that. You don't need to reinvent how teleports work. It's, it's, it, there's an immense shorthand to those things that you do find that... And we will have meetings. You sit there with Gareth, you sit there with Stephen, obviously, with Paul Cornell... No doubt they sit there with Neil Cross, go, you know, and you can't help it. You go, oh, it's like the horror of Fang Rock. Oh, it's like Terror of the Autons. And in the end, you just can't be ashamed of that because it's a great heritage. There's nothing wrong with referring to something that's brilliant. And again, it also teaches you what not to do. You sit there going, oh, don't do that. Don't know. The whole of science fiction teaches you that. It's like I always had my, one of my few strictures on things not to do was villagers and peasants on foreign planets, alien planets, foreign planets, you know, like Star Trek. Star yeah. Trek's absolutely its worst when they're in a little village and someone walks in saying, oh, there are metal men from the mountains across the sky. And you go, oh, what rubbish. And everyone's wearing tabards, except for the <laughs> except for the Inner Light episode, which, have you ever seen that one? Yes, that, that is the only That's one. different, yeah. That's the only one that does that properly. It, they earned all their years of villages by <laughs> doing that, but, but I hate that sort of nonsense. Dull in science fiction. Um... So dream sequences don't ever do a dream I can't bear dream sequences in anything can't bear them in novels I just skip over them so anyway you have things that you like and so do all writers but it helps it just helps to know the stuff it's it's a very strange thing I can remember taking a long time writing it to sort of like warming up it's probably the long game that threw me because what, what would I have written I've written Rose Aliens of London and I, I wrote them in order I suppose so I would have written the long game next and that really 
through me as a writer because suddenly you're on a space station and I'm just sitting there thinking, why did I sleep? Why did I eat? And I talk about there's a lot of food in there. You know, the bell rings and the, you can see me kind of building in a structure to this day and the, the, the Cogburger vans open. Yeah, my mate Colin Proctor. So Colin Proctor. Like, why are you a Doctor Who? <laughs> <laughs> and then he was uh, in Victory of the yes. Daleks, wasn't he? Yeah. Bless him. He's lovely, isn't he? Yeah. Cronkberg. Does he say Cronkberger? Yeah, Cronkberger with That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah for tartars or something yeah. it's hot it's something chewy isn't it hot or something? oh is it hot hot for tartars yes something like that um, so actually and the fact that in the in the long game they could the shifts there were work shifts I mean they don't tend to be work shifts in science fiction like they just tend to see people at work and um, and you're not allowed there were rules about going to other floors and things like that so the whole thing is me you can sort of see me the money. Going, right the money there's money all of that sort of stuff so it's kind of me going oh I've never written anything like this before yeah and building building it in front of me never mind you I don't care what your reaction to it was I'm going like how do they live here blimey so I think if you've not into science fiction at all I think that must be ten times as hard I think it must be very very difficult and I'm thinking now of things where we did grind to a halt which was things like the Queen Victoria script Actually, that writer had no science fiction. Great, great writer. No experience whatsoever in science fiction. So it didn't even... You know, you're kind of sitting there going, what do you mean the insect's in her eye? What, what do you mean? Why is it in her eye? You know, I'm like going, what, why? Why? What's it going to do? Well, then it comes out. What, what happens to the eye? You know, it's like you're sitting there going, she didn't lose an eye. You're like that, you know, because it's it, the, the non-science fiction writers, you tended to find kind of think anything can happen. You know, right. they'd go, right, uh, a portal opens and light pours out of it and then robots come through and they turn themselves into statues. You go, what? What's happening? What? 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 You can't just have anything happen in it at all. It's like, it's funny because you've got to be kind of rigorous. I was thinking this last night. I was actually thinking, I love the Web Affair. I've only seen the, those first two of it yet. And I was thinking, ironically, those Web guns wouldn't have survived our tone meeting. It's like, because actually, you look at it, it's brilliant, that story. It's like... Okay, there's that brilliant Doctor Who clash of like, let's put Yeti in the London Underground. That's mad. And they actually say so on screen. <laughs> they go, how mad is this? But actually, the Yeti, there's a process, you know, they existed in the Himalayas, that's fine. That was 40 years ago. One's been brought to a museum. Now it's then he activates the. So there's a logic thing. Okay, okay, I don't know where all the other Yetis came from, but never mind. You know, so then they take over the Underground, that's fine. So then they're being controlled by uh, great intelligence. That's fine. They're robots. Robots control my things. Then they have webs. And you kind of reach a bit of a halt there, <laughs> Toby. I can see myself in a meeting going, okay, spiders have webs. <laughs> Yeti, why, do, why are they like, is it coming out of them? Is it a natural thing? No, they've got guns that shoot webs. Why have they got guns <laughs> that shoot And I love, I'm not criticising the web of for a second because I think one of the most marvellous things about Doctor Who is that it takes a deep breath and says it doesn't matter. And it's a glossy. But equally, I can kind of see something saying, that's a spider story, isn't it? Yeah. Aren't giant spiders taking over the London? If you're really being strict with it. And I think, and part of the reason I regret it, I'm sort of saying, actually, a story like that would have been changed in the modern Doctor Who. Maybe that's a shame. Maybe things are overthought. Maybe those tone meetings are a bit too rigorous. Because someone like me sitting there going, no, you have to have a logic to this. Nonetheless, that logic saw us through many a dark script moment and saves you. It's 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 and it's not only Doctor Who. It's like I used to get very fed up on. Um, to be honest, they won't mind me saying this with the writers on the Sarah Jane Adventures because you refer to everything. You sit there going, you know, it's like Terminator. It's like that bit in Terminator where this happens, or it's like that bit in Star Trek Four where they save the whales. You know, and this happens, that happens. And with a lot of those writers, you sit there going, Oh, I've never seen Star Trek. 
oh, I've never seen Terminator films. And actually you sit there going, do you know what? You're getting paid by the BBC to write a science fiction bit of entertainment. You should be watching these things because they are the language of what you do. You don't have to like those things. If you hate those things, write me something that hates the Terminator and corrects all its faults in it, or we'll have a magnificent piece of work. But don't sit there going, I don't watch this stuff. I, I literally think that's, that's an abrogation of duty. I used to get very cross. So I've only just realised this in talking to you that actually I used to get cross when they weren't fans of things, not just Doctor Who. But it just didn't help. You're writing science fiction adventure for all the family. It's just part of the language. Even if it's a reactive language to say we're better than that. It's very rarely you sit there saying we want to copy this bit from Terror of the Autons or we want to copy this bit from Terminator 2. It's working when you go, oh, let's do it better than that. Let's put Sarah Jane in the middle of it. Already better. Terminator 2 would be better if Sarah Jane was in the middle of it. Just as State of Play would be better if there was a Dalek in the middle of it. It's just a fact. Doctor Who makes all things better. And this interview is going to be better with lunch in the middle of Hooray. it. So we're going to do that. Are we going to be a multi-part interview? Yes. Can't try. There are many more episodes featuring Russell to come, but next up we'll have a change of scenery and somebody who's been in Doctor Who and very close to one of the Doctors himself. Russell's charity is the Terence Higgins Trust, which will get plugged on every one of his, so may I do a shout-out, as I know there are lots of listeners to these Russell ones, for a charity very close to my heart, which is Dermatrust, www.derma. T-R-U-S-T Dermatrust.org.uk which is working hard to improve the lives of people with debilitating skin conditions and you can follow me Toby Haydoke on Twitter that's at Toby Haydoke T-O-B-Y-H-A-D-O-K-E and uh, please keep listening and spreading the word until next time ta-ta What I am thinking of. The monsters might all be roaming free out there. In Hollywood, on Sunset Boulevard. Shh! Listen. I thought I heard something too. You're here for the elixir, yes, of doom. All this excitement. I don't suppose I'll sleep at all tonight. (laughs) 